0: Let's dive into this message. Oh, I'm excited because I was only going to preach four weeks on Colossians and it got a hold of me, so this is week five. I don't know, there might be a week six. Who knows? Let's see. Let's see how we go. Um, but we, look, we, were looking at, um, we were looking at through this series, that theme, Jesus over everything. And Colossians 1, 16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him he is above everything he is over it all he is in it all he was before it all he'll be after it all he is all christ is all and that's what paul places his emphasis on christ is all in all and we've got to remember though that this book was to address some heresies that were happening in the colossian church Things like Gnostic mysticism, which looks after a higher knowledge and even went as far as to deny that Jesus was God's son in the flesh. And then you got religious asceticism, which is the body is corrupt and must be punished and the more that I mistreat myself and I treat myself harshly, the more that Jesus will like me or God will like me and accept me. And then religious legalism is that trying to continue to fulfill the law that was fulfilled through Jesus. So that's what we looked at through week one. Week two, week two, we looked at turning misery into mission. Paul writing from prison, but still able to accept that he has joy in the mission, even though he is in prison. How many people, I can, I can do this now, hands up, how many people, would, if you were in prison, would be happy about it? No one put their hand up here, so I don't know, maybe down at the park or up at Neil, you guys are very spiritual up at Neil, probably a couple of people might be able to find the joy up there for being in prison, but not me, no, I'd be miserable, I'd be a misery guts, but we've got to turn our misery into mission. Um, week three, we looked at believers beware, looking at the warning signs for empty philosophies and religious legalism that all of these man-made disciplines that we try and take on and to try and make ourselves more like God, they are all worthless outside of Jesus Christ. And last time I spoke, which a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Putting off old, stinky clothes. Let's, let's ask an honest question right now. How many people when you get a brand new clean set of clothes, maybe for Christmas or for a birthday, or, or you just go down to the shops and you buy yourself some brand new clothes and they're great, how many of you will go, oh, these are awesome. I'm going to put them on over the top of my old stinky clothes and I'm just going to wear them because they look cool. See, this is what Paul was trying to say in this whole passage, and we're going to dive into it a little bit more, is that we actually have to take off what stinks to put on what's clean. The two things can't, can't coexist. If you want to wear the clean clothes, you've got to get rid of the old stinky stuff because you know what? The stink would just seep through and it comes through. So we need to learn how to take off the old dirty clothes before we can progress. Amen? So... Last time, this this message was supposed to be four points. I only got through two of them, so we're continuing with the other two today. We looked at being clothed in glory and clothed in righteousness. Righteousness. I'll I'll learn to speak sometime soon. Clothed in righteousness. If you haven't watched that message, I recommend you go back on YouTube and and have a look. I mean, YouTube, Facebook, however you want to look at it, we don't mind, as long as you do. Spotify, it's on there. But... A, a, reliant, a reminder from last time on how to keep our self-discipline, and I thought this was a really good way to start this message, just to repeat what we did at the end of the last one, was John Maxwell was writing in his Leadership Bible, and I was reading this, talking about self-discipline, the battle begins in the mind. And we looked at that passage of Scripture from Colossians chapter 3, 1-14, to 14, and, and talking about the things that we need to put off to be able to put things on. And it says, Permanent change and improvement always happens from the inside out. This is Paul's prescription for self-discipline. Number one, we need to remember our identity. Remember our identity. Colossians 3, 1, verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your things on things, uh, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We've got to focus our, we've got to focus first our position on Christ, in Christ. It all starts there. We are in Christ. That's our identity. He is our identity in Christ. The second thing is that we've got to renew our thought life. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We've got to focus our minds. We've got to raise new internal standards. Number three, we've got to recognize that our old life is dead. It's dead. For you died and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You died you are dead to sin you have died with Christ and have been risen again so why too is it that we spend so much of our time and effort trying to resurrect the old life the old man and trying to live in the old way when he has given us a whole new way of living just so you're aware I'm spitting a little bit here but the seats are far back okay so I'm getting excited about this Put to death, in verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Wrath, 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 whatever. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Change doesn't happen if if we maintain any way to return to the old patterns. You have got to burn that bridge. That is like, I've got to leave this behind, and I have got to cut off any way for me to return to it. Number four, release past habits. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its image, of its creator. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, Slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We've got to pull off the old, just like taking off an old, worn out set of clothes. I mean, you just don't wear your clothes and go, right, well, these will be good. I'm just going to jump in the shower like this and give them a good clean and then everything will be okay. No, they've got to go. So these kind of clothes and the life that we've been living and the life that we had before we were in Christ, we have to actually take it and burn those clothes. They're not coming back anymore. This is not even—we're not even taking these ones down to the local donation bin. This is not—we won't want to give this to someone else. It's like we have put this whole life to bed. It's dead. It's gone, and now we've got to replace our habits with new ones. Colossians three twelve to fourteen says: Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What is the book of John? I think it's John fourteen, and it says this is how you will they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. If I'm wrong with the passage of scripture, I apologize. I'm just I don't know who has a memory anymore. Really, I mean I mean everything that we have and understand and know is actually stored in our phone, right? That, that's me. Uh, I just kept, can't remember things anymore, so it's all right. So but we only can get rid of old habits when we substitute new ones for them. So this brings us to the next part in our series, which is clothed in love, clothed in love. Um, so I want to pray again because I'm about to embark on some touchy subjects. So, Father, give me wisdom to be able to speak your word in truth and love and grace, the way that you intended it, and to be able to draw out from this something that we can all learn from, in Jesus' name. Amen. That prayer was more for me than it was for anybody else. All right, so let's start by looking at Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It's just park there for a second. (sighs) Is anybody feeling nervous right now? I know I am. I know I just got all of the men who are watching their attention, just went, yes, they're nudging like this. Did you hear that, wife? Did you? Listen, pay attention to this. Pastor's pastors, on to something here. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. We're going to dive into that. But let's continue with the next verse. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. And every woman said, amen. amen. That was a cheer in here. I'm telling you what, it was. All right. And every parent likes verse 20, children, obey your parents. For this in everything, sorry, I almost missed a bit, in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, "'Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. <laughs> "'Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything "'and do it not only when their eye is on you to, "'and to curry their favour, "'but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. "'Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart "'as working for the Lord, not human masters, "'since you know that you will receive an inheritance "'from the Lord as a reward.' It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Colossians 4.1 says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Oh, I think I need to pray again. Let's go. This whole passage of scripture directly relates to how we treat one another, how we act. You know, Martin Luther, he had a, had a um, he referred to this type of teaching that was is outlined in different passages in the Bible. It's also seen in Ephesians 5 and 6 and, and also in First Peter 2 and 3. And it's called the Hustolfen. Hustolfen. Everybody try and say Hustolphen. It's a German word because Martin Luther's German. Hustolfen or the household table. This is the table talk. This is the way that we relate to This It's a family discussion on how we are meant to act towards each other, how we're meant to treat each other. You know, and I, I want to pick this apart a little bit because I think that in certain circumstances, we may have either misunderstood this or misinterpreted it or put so much weight on a certain part of this that we might have missed the whole point. So we're going to dive into this. 1 Peter 3, 1-2 says, Wives... In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your life. So in this whole passage, I wanted to add that there, we'll dive back into this, but there's numerous relationships that are reviewed within this. The first one is the wife to the husband relationship, then the husband to the wife relationship, but we need to understand the culture And the reasoning for this writing, because as we've been talking about, we have to understand that this book of Colossians, as in all of these epistles in the Bible, weren't written to us, but they were written for our benefit. They weren't directly written to us. This book was written to the church in Colossians to deal with certain things. So we have to understand that from a cultural perspective. We have to put ourselves and go, well, what was the culture of the day what was happening and this is set in a greco-roman world and the entire purpose is to be an example to others it's in line with the culture of the time this is the way that their family structures were sort of set up with the the man being the 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 head of the home it's a family structured masters wives, children and slaves now we don't always we don't have slaves now um here um and that's not in our culture but back then it was a prevalent part of the culture and anybody who was like of even a middle class or upper had had slaves to help them with the stuff that they needed to do and nowadays our family units and our culture look a bit different so so if we just take this passage and then just pick this up and go plonk let's just apply this to now and it it doesn't work exactly but does that mean that we go well let's look at the structure there do we just throw all of this out and say no, that doesn't work, and it doesn't apply to now? By no means at all. We actually have to actually take the truths out of this and dive right into it. Paul's saying that in this passage, between our relationships, let's be a good example to our culture. Let's let our godliness shine. So let's look at each relationship listed, and before all the men get smug, start elbowing your wife again, saying, "Pay attention. You know, hey, you've got to submit." You've got to submit. Let's have a look at this passage a little bit in Colossians. There are four instructions to men in this passage of Scripture. Four. There's only one for women. Four instructions. One for wives, one for children, one for slaves, four for men. Why is this so? Is it because men need things explained a little bit more? (laughs) Potentially. I know I do. I I, I know I do. Colossians 3, 18-19. Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh on them. There's two key words I want to look at here in their Greek words. And the first one is the word for submit. It is hypostasso. Hypostasso, and it means to subjugate or to become submissive to. And the second word that I want to look at is the word fitting. And it's aniko. It says, when it is proper okay there's an order to all of this and we often get the order mixed up we think that in all things and in every sense that a wife must submit to their husband in absolutely every single thing Well, that's what the bible says all right but let's have a look at i don't know i like to be a studious kind of guy i dive into the commentaries i like to see what other people are reading into this and and this one here is by um, a guy called R.R. Melek, who writes in his book on Colossians. And it says, This verb form for submit means it occurs 38 times in the New Testament, 23 times in Pauline literature, but only one time in Colossians. There appears to be a difference in a specific nuance of the term according to the voice in which it occurs, active voice or middle voice. When it occurs in the active voice, the power to subject belongs to God himself. It belongs to God himself. This is evidence in 1 Corinthians 15 and Philippians, you know, Christ subjecting all things. Uh, Philippians 3.21, uh, Romans 8.20, Ephesians chapter 1. In the middle voice though, in, in the middle voice, it describes a voluntary submission which resembles that of Christian humility. It's not a forced thing. It may describe Christ's submission to God, church members to one another, believers submitting in their exercise of prophetic gifts, or the proper order for wives. This latter use appeals to free agents to take a place of submission voluntarily. The term does not suggest, I want you to hear this, the term does not suggest slavery or servitude, and certainly never calls for the husband to make his wife submit got real quiet in here is it loud down at the park i hope so this is what i surmise from this it is the wife's role to submit to the godly leadership of her husband it is not the role of the husband to make her does that make sense is is that making sense We've got to to note that we've got to really closely, this submission, which is called on for wives, is voluntary. Let's look at the next thing. And when we're talking about with children and slaves, the word used there is different than the word submission. It's obedience. And it's quite clear in all things, in everything. So the word submission is so different. Wives, submit to your husband as the Biblical, godly leader in the house voluntarily. It can't be something that's forced. Once it's forced, it becomes tense. And we start to break down the order that God meant for us. It's a different relationship. Let's have a quick look over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We talked a little bit about this last year in our series on Ephesians. There is a lot of onus on husbands to actually love their wives like Christ. Christ died for the church. He died for us. You are called as a husband to lead your family in a way that lays down your life for them. Laying down your life also means sometimes laying down I'm right. It's really, really quiet in here. <laughs> the way Paul describes the way we love our families is to love them like Christ, to lay down your life, to serve them, to sacrifice for them, to love them. That's why we need to put on love, to be clothed in love. If we can honestly learn to treat each other with love, our community will see it. Right? John, okay, it was John 13 35, not John chapter 14. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Love is the highest value or piece of clothing that we can put on. It is essential and it is central. It's much of the New Testament is all about how we love one another. So we've got to pull on love. We've got to understand that love leads us to unity. Colossians 3.14, and over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity and finally if i can just have georgia come and play the keys for me we need to be clothed in prayer clothed in love clothed in glory clothed in righteousness clothed in love and clothed in prayer colossians chapter 4 verses 2 to 6 devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make your most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer everyone. I think it's important that we need to devote ourselves to prayer. Prayer, it's a gateway for us to have relationship with God. It's, if we put it this way, it's, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a part of our worship. How do we approach prayer? How do we, how do we come into His presence in prayer? How do we, how do we do this? How do we actually make, how do, how do I know if it's working? How do, I, how, do I, how do I make it work? And we have so many questions around prayer because so often we'll, we'll pray and we'll, we'll do it out of duty and we'll do it because we've been told that we have to and we, that we need to. And like I'm saying now, but we often get confused and, and maybe even frustrated because we don't actually get what we think we want out of our prayer life. Anyone else ever felt kind of like what I'm explaining? One person. It's good. I'm not alone. Thanks, Pastor Craig. <laughs> but we get frustrated and we get confused about how do we pray, but we need to devote ourselves to prayer. So what does it mean to devote ourselves to prayer? Well, I think it's by putting a system in place that helps you to actually then have a freedom where it stops being a system and starts being a lifestyle it becomes part of our everyday it becomes part of our relationship if i want to have a good relationship with rachel my lovely and beautiful wife if i was to go three weeks without talking to her how do you think that's going to go it's not going to go well and i'm as disconnected from it as she would be disconnected from it she would be longing for the relationship as much as me do you know and understand that god longs for us to love Him and to be in His presence. He wants us to come and sit at His feet and be in His presence and to pray and to bring our petitions but to to create a lifestyle of prayer. Prayer, in Colossians, it's robed in thankfulness, it's worship, it's petition. But prayer exalts God and puts him in his rightful place. So, I've just got, as we wrap up, and this has kind of been a, a bit of a th- three-part kind of message in one. How do we pray from Colossians chapter 4? Is that we've got to be devoted to it. Being devoted means that, oh, I tried that. I, did, I actually got up three mornings this week and I did that. I prayed and well, I don't feel any different, so I might try something else. No, devoted is devoted. Devoted is devoted. Let's, let's get, you know, the Greek word meaning for devoted is devoted. Um, I can't explain it any more than that because that's what it means. We are devoted to God. Let's, let's make it a part of our daily habit. We need to be watchful in our prayer. You know, Paul reads in the, in the scripture this is so, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That's the third one. We've got, we've got to be thankful in our prayer. That's how you enter his courts with thanksgiving and enter his court yeah, is with praise. We've got to come boldly into his throne room and thank him and praise him and worship him and give him glory. That's a great way to start. The other thing that Paul says to pray in, in Colossians chapter 4, he says, pray for the messengers. Pray for those who are bringing the message. Pray for those, and that's just not me standing here in a pulpit on Sunday and speaking to people on live stream in homes and in parks and in Nil and in this room and in our other services. That's not just me. Don't just pray for me, but pray for anybody who is willing to take and carry the message. Pray for the messengers. That's what Paul's asking here. Pray for the messengers. And the last thing that he says that we need to pray for is we need to pray for the message itself. Pray for the message. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray for the message. When we pray, we are going to remember the themes of this whole series in the book of Colossians is Jesus over everything. And I get the picture right now as I'm speaking I've got more notes let's just leave those notes alone I get this picture of Paul talking to wives submitting to their husbands and in this way it being a voluntary act a, an act of I'm going to humble myself we are let's, let's put it this way we are the bride of Christ we are to submit ourselves to him not forced not legalistic not structured you must do this this and this but when it comes to our relationship with God when it comes to our relationship with Jesus he's the husband so when it comes to our prayer life and our devotion life let's take it from that perspective Let's submit ourselves to his leadership, male, female, doesn't matter, but we can actually take something from that verse. Colossians 3.18, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting. It is proper for us to submit ourselves to God's oversight and come into his presence. Come on, why don't we stand this morning? We're going to pray. father we just thank you for your word we thank you that you can take what has been spoken the scripture to speak into our hearts to change us from the inside out and i just pray today lord that you've taken this message that you'll cause change to come from it and you'll cause chains to fall it doesn't matter what scripture is read it is all powerful And I pray right now that as we have read this, as we have spoken this, that you would cause chains where people have been shackled in bondage to break. Father, I pray for a godly relationships between husbands and wives and children and fathers and mothers and between workers and their bosses. Father, how do we honor? Father, I just pray that you would just continue to speak to us, challenge us and change us as we come into your presence. You know... All of this relationship starts with accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior personally. And today, I don't know your situation. I don't know your background. I may not even know you personally. But I want to invite every single person here to say a prayer with me. Giving giving your submission to God. Handing over control. Asking Him to come into your life. If Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, will you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life and give me a brand new start. I am sorry for all of my mistakes, for all of my sin. And right now, I come and lay it at the foot of the cross where you died. I submit myself to you, willingly, voluntarily, and openly. Jesus, come in. Take control. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give congratulations to anybody who's been praying that prayer right now, whether you're in the park or up at NIL or online in your living room? We believe in the best for you. And we would love to help you start on this next step in your journey. And that is to come in and and get a a Bible from us. I'd love to be able to meet you personally, pray with you, or even on the phone. We'd love to connect with you in some way, be able to give you um, this word of God. Hey, I want to encourage everybody again. Things are changing and shifting in our nation, in our state. Come on, can we just continue to be praying for our government? Continue to be praying, you know, not just that, oh, man, this is hard. I find this really challenging because I just want to pray, God, give me my own way all the time. Does anybody else kind of feel, yeah, okay, we've got more hands on that, so I'm not the only one. But we want to pray, God, give us our own way. Give us what's easiest for us. Give us what we know is best for us. But we've got to submit ourselves that God's got a higher way. And whatever the restrictions are, they're not restrictions to God. They're not restrictions to Him being able to speak to us. They're not restrictions to Him being able to move within our church. We want to be able to have more and more people be able to be here present on a Sunday morning for a church service. But more than that, I want our church to be more the church in our community than it's ever been before. So is it good that our church is actually spread out all over the place right now? I think it's good. But... We're going to make some decisions over the next couple of weeks about how we progress and different churches are doing different things and don't look at this church and go, well, they're doing the wrong thing and don't be judging of that church and they're doing this thing. Let's be focusing on what God's called us to do and that is to love God and love people. Yeah. So keep praying for us. Keep praying for our government. Keep praying for our nation. Keep praying for healing because it's, it's broken right now. But you know what? A divided world needs a united church. So we need to be united in prayer together, praying for the peace of our nation. Come on, let me pray one more time for you as we close this service. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and bring you peace. God bless you, everyone. We love you. Have a fantastic week ahead.